Baseball conversation on the new flagship home of the Sox, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly on the air seamlessly from the ballpark here at Guaranteed Rate Field. Oh, for a video camera of the last five minutes of Andy Mazur, Paul Zarang, Krista Flores, and yours truly doing all the technical stuff that no one really cares about, but it would feel off if I didn't mention what was just going on in the last five minutes. So happy to be able to talk to you today. Great show ahead of you, at least hopefully. Michael Kopak's going to be in studio here at Guaranteed Rate Field. We'll talk to him in about ten minutes. We're going to have uh, Nick Hosteller of the White Sox. We'll be picking number three in the MLB draft coming up here. A little bit over a month. Who will they be taking? I'm going to try to get Nick Hosteller to tell me that today. I don't really exactly love my odds on that, but we're going to give it a go. We've got White Sox hitting coach Todd Steverson on the show as well. Nikki Delmonico will be on the program, and uh, we will hear a little bit from Carlos Rodon as well. As that is, of course, the big news of the week, as Carlos is in a holding pattern right now, and uh, Rick Hahn making the announcement at the ballpark on Thursday, as he did feel some tightness after the doubleheader versus the Orioles. Nobody thought anything of it. He did not talk to the press after uh, he pitched in Game 1. Uh, so this was a surprise, though, that uh, all of a sudden here uh, here's Rick Hahn talking about uh, what's going on with Carlos. And if you missed Rick Hahn talking, let's give that to you right now. Uh, obviously a huge deal here with the White Sox number one starter. And uh, here, was, here was Rick with the update earlier in the week. Following his outing yesterday, uh, Carlos reported feeling a, a little tightness in his elbow and forearm area. Uh, in the past, he's had a couple of outings where he's had a little trouble getting loose, but it's sort of resolved itself as the outing has gone on. And uh, yesterday, that didn't seem to be the case. Uh, as a result, he was examined by our, our team physicians. Uh, and upon examination, he felt uh, some tenderness over the forearm. Uh, we uh, ordered some studies on them that revealed some edema in the flexor mass, which essentially is some blood in the muscle. Uh, that's obviously not a good thing, and trying to figure out the cause of that is ultimately what will dictate uh, the, the course of action. So. Uh, it's obviously not a positive. We don't have uh, a specific definitive plan in place today because there's going to be follow-up studies. There's going to be consultation with uh, second opinion docs. And uh, over the course of the next several days or, or week or so, we'll come up with a specific plan. But at, at this point, uh, you can say based uh, simply upon the, the edema that he's, he's going to be down for a little while. So and we have no idea when this happened, right? But if you look back over his starts, you go back to April 19th on the road at Detroit. That was a White Sox winner, 7-3. And Carlos pitched well, six innings, three hits, gave up one run, only walked three, struck out six through 95 pitches. His ERA at that point, 2.89. But then he comes out against the Tigers seven days later, and that was the 12-11 Tim Anderson walk-off game. And he goes three innings, nine hits, eight runs, all earned. Gives up three homers. Does not look like himself at all. And uh, again, the White Sox won that game, but you saw his ERA jump from two eight nine to four nine four. Um, didn't get you know that's just not like 
Cows were down to throw three innings. That doesn't happen, but it happened there. And then you go to the game against Baltimore, and he goes three and two-thirds. So something, I think, must have happened uh, either during the Detroit game, maybe before he tried to tough through. But it, this was not like you try to figure out, well, did he have it coming into the year? And he did say that it was taking him time to get loose into outings, and as he would get into the third and the fourth and the fifth, if you've been watching Carlos Rodon all year, you would see that he would start. the velocity would start to tick up and he'd look more like himself. So maybe this, maybe this has been building for a long time, but something I think clearly happened uh, in between the last two starts there or during the, during the 26th start versus Detroit. Here's a little bit more from Rick Hahn about, um, yeah, he, didn't, he wasn't clear what, where this is going, and then everybody starts thinking about Tommy John, so here's Rick addressing that. At this point, I can just say everything's on the table. Okay. I, I can't rule anything out. I don't want to. Uh, I, I don't want to speak for any doctors. I want, we got to get everybody involved and understand exactly what we're dealing with, and then come up with a consensus as the best course. And unfortunately, at this point, everything is on the table. Right. So everything on the table, and it was at that point where I was like, oh. This is a really big deal. At the first part, it's like, oh, this is not good. Now we got a really big deal because you're you're talking about uh, you're talking about Carlos Rodon. I don't need to explain it. And uh, he's under contract through 2021. If he's not going to pitch, uh, if you're talking about Tommy John, then he's coming back hopefully sometime next year. Not a guarantee. And then one more year with the club. So uh, before you have to make an even further decision. Outside of all of that. This is a White Sox team that's hanging around 500, and he's a huge part of it. So if you want to dream it big this year, which is a lot more fun than doing anything else, you want him on the field, clearly. So what does this mean for his future? Rick asked, Rick uh, tried to answer that one. Well, look, we're dealing with a, a, a second significant issue in his throwing arm right now, and that's certainly unfortunate for any pitcher. Uh, he's... On, on the plus side, he's still obviously quite young, I believe 26 this year, and has a very likely a very long and successful career ahead of him at this point. You know, we're going to come to the point here in the next several days or weeks where we come up with a plan, and then it's going to be all about getting him back on track and being who we all hope he can be for the long term. Yep. And that the key part in that this is a second arm injury, the shoulder uh, cleanup where he lost part of two seasons. But did come back last year, pitched well, looked good, uh, and was, when you talked to Carlos Rodon last year, it seemed like he was feeling great where he was at. And he ended up the year healthy, so you were hoping that everything was in the rearview mirror. But now, you've got an elbow, and you have a shoulder, and you also have some really good doctors out there. So, there's a lot of guys that have Tommy John, and they come back, and they're better than they were before, or at least as good. So it, it doesn't clearly mean that his career is over, but it is a huge challenge when you're talking about uh, two different surgeries on your on your throwing arm. Let's do one more. Uh, as of course, this is not feeling good for the White Sox. So here's Rick addressing uh, you know the news of of what happens throughout a baseball season and when you lose your your number one starter. Look, that's uh, punches in, in the gut is is one of many phrases that has been thrown around here over the last few huh. hours. Uh, I'll leave to FCC regulations, not say some of the other ones. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating. It's disappointing. Uh, at the same time, uh, it's the byproduct of having a significant number of potentially impactful guys that 
you're going to have when you're focused on the potential futures of 25, 30, 35 guys in this organization that you believe have high upsides, a handful of them are going to have injury issues along the way, and it's disappointing. And on the individual basis, you feel for that player, and you're disappointed that they're not going to be able to take the next step in their development for the period of time that they're down. Uh, but looking at the larger picture, we're, we're aiming to put ourselves in a position where we can withstand things like this. You're, you're, you feel bad for the individual. Uh, you spend try not to spend too much time feeling bad for yourself because there's there's other positives throughout this organization that uh, will help hopefully make up for some of the setbacks along the way. And that's it at the end of the day, right? You need to have depth in your organization. And right now the White Sox depth is being challenged. You've got Michael Kopech. Hopefully he's going to be on the show here in about five minutes coming up to the studio. He's rehabbing. Dane Dunning is at guaranteed rate this field uh, this weekend, who's also doing the same Tommy John deal. Zach Birdie, a lot of guys. Uh, so it does test your organization. But same time, the White Sox, all these guys should come back. You have a ton of money to go out and sign pitchers if you so if you choose to do so. A lot of people are talking about Dallas Keuchel right now. It doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. But at some point, and Rick talked about this, I'm not going to play the cut, but he, at some point, be it uh, in this next coming off season, if the White Sox need to augment their staff with uh, a veteran pitcher, they have plenty of dough to go out and do that. So we'll see how they go about it going forward. Come on back here. We'll either hear from Michael Kopech in studio or uh, we'll touch with uh, Carlos Rodon coming back. It is White Sox Weekly. White Sox and the Red Sox tonight. May the fourth, may the force be with you. Big time night at the ballpark. Come on out. They got the giveaway going on. We'll talk about that as well. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, live at Guaranteed Rate Field. White Sox and the Red Sox coming up. Andy Mazur has your pregame at 5.35 tonight. Mazur ready to rock and roll. Last night, we did get to see Chris Sale come back to the ballpark. He pitched well. Red Sox beat the Sox 6-1. Series is evened up at a game apiece. All right, let's bring in Carlos Rodon here. Uh, as he met with the media with the news that uh, the White Sox are trying to figure out what to do next with Carlos. This is Carlos explaining exactly what he felt. It's just been tight, you know, over the whole season, but, you know, nothing really like yesterday. Yesterday kind of kind of got me a little bit. Uh, didn't, didn't really loosen up like it normally does and uh, struggled a little bit to get loose through uh, the whole game. And definitely in that fourth inning, after that long inning, it got me good. So there you go, Carlos saying that, uh, hey, the start against Detroit, if you look at the numbers, which I was speculating, maybe something was going on, he's saying that nothing happened to the level of pain that he felt until the Orioles start, and uh, that's when he took himself out of the ball game. Uh, as for what is next in Carlos's mind? I mean, it's something that we're trying to figure out as a group. We're all working together, um, trying to get a second opinion now, and figure out exactly what the issue is and and get it figured out and get me back on the field whenever that is yep and so just trying to move forward is how i was just kind of watching carlos talk about it he was being very direct with his answers and he was asked about hey you know is this how are you feeling about this and uh he was trying to move forward through that one too no i mean you (laughs) how many guys in this game have you know had elbow issues or whatever it is it doesn't matter any any sort of injury it happens i can't say why me i'm not going to just 
you know, sit over and wallow over and say, you know, oh, poor me, poor this, poor that. No, I mean, my guys are still out here. We got a game today, so I'm going to be out here on the bench cheering them on. So what? There you go. Moving forward. Not going to wallow in it. Why is the world against me? I can't believe this happened to me again. That's not uh, what a good teammate would look like. And so doing his best to stay as positive as possible. And then... In his mind, is he open to the potential of having Tommy John surgery? I mean, anything's on the table to you know to fix the issue. Um, honestly, I'm only 26 years old, and you know, luckily, you know, hopefully, I can play this game for 10 more years. Um, so I'm still fairly young, and if it's Tommy John, so be it to get me back on this field. And I think that's the right way to look at it. If you're him, right? This sucks right now, but potentially, I have a decade left of playing this game. And if I have to miss a year to come back and be healthy and hopefully have a great rest of my career, well, then that's what I'm going to do. And there's, obviously there's no choice in it either, but I, I do like his mindset around it, that, look, this is the deal, this is what happens in baseball, it's not a shock, pitchers get hurt, and I'll do like everyone else, and I will work uh, my tail off to get back on the field. So there you go. There's Rodon, there's Rick Hahn, and I think we're going to have Michael Kopech coming on back here. So let's take a quick timeout. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking to another guy on the rehab trail. Going to see him at Guaranteed Rate Field next season, Michael Kopech. That is next on White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Hope you're having a great Saturday. Big day at the ballpark tomorrow. It's the first kids' autograph session of the season. And we've got some good ones coming out here. Tim Anderson. Michael Kopech, Ryan Cordell, Ronaldo Lopez will all be signing autographs at the ballpark tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, that's a great memory for a youngster coming to the game, right, to uh, meet one of your favorite players, getting to sign something, just awesome. And tonight, if you're thinking about, oh, I've got nothing to do, look at this. It's a beautiful, sunshiny day in Chicago when it comes to the White Sox and the Red Sox, it's also R2-D2 bobblehead night, which is presented by TransUnion. The first 15,000 people are going to get a Star Wars R2-D2 pin. Um, it's for the ballpark at check-in prize. First pitch tonight, by the way, is John Garland and Jermaine Dye in the house as well. So if you have nothing to do tonight, feel free to come on out. And tomorrow, Cinco de Mayo family sunday presented by coca-cola we're talking about the uh, autographs with anderson kopech cordell and lopez you also get to run the bases on sundays still waiting for the white Sox to give me the go-ahead to do that they have uh, politely declined my numerous requests to get out there and run around but i think one day it may happen uh, we are waiting on michael kopech and nick hosteller the white Sox director of scouting will be with us after four o'clock let me update you quickly on the minor leagues here as uh Daniel Palka continues to try to make his way back to uh, the big league club. It is third homer of the year earlier in the week as uh, went one for four in that game. He has a, Palka's homered in three of his last eight games. Charlie Tilson was up here for a good amount last year, two for four. That's the fifth time in his last ten games that Charlie Tilson has had multiple hits in a game, which is good to see. You also look down at AA, and the uh, outfielders are starting to come around. Luis Gonzalez, one of them, he had his second home run of the year uh, this week as uh, it has been a struggle for a lot of the Barons 
coming out early here as we uh, we talked to Blake Rutherford, whose average is starting to tick up. Not exactly where you want to see it, but he's starting to move along. And uh, if you go down to Winston-Salem, that's where you can find a guy, Steel Walker, who the White Sox were able to get in the draft last year, and he is off to a very, very strong start. Hit another homer this week and uh, is knocking in some runs as well. Steel Walker, had a, but he did have an 11-game hitting streak come to an end. He had 386 in that run, 17 for 44. Nick Madrigal is doing his thing as well. He's a multi-RBI game, fourth time in his last 10. So just taking a look at uh, some of the White Sox prospects as uh, the minor league seasons, of course, are off and rolling as well. The draft is coming up. And I had I was on uh, television this week, Sports Talk Live, and a lot of people are trying to make the argument that the White Sox have gone about their business where they have just tried to develop pitching. And it doesn't really add up as well. If you go back from 2018, 2017, 2016, this is going to be Nick Hostetler's fourth draft as director of scouting. In 2018, in the first 10 picks, the White Sox took five pitchers, five position players, the first two being position players. In 2017, they drafted Jake Berger in the first round, third baseman, Missouri State. Now he's gotten hurt, but the point is that they drafted a position player, 11th overall. They took six position players, four pitchers in their first 10 draft picks in 2017. Go back to 2016. Took a catcher in the first round. Hopefully he'll be here soon. Tenth overall. That would be Zach Collins. Then they took Zach Birdie, 26th overall. Also in the first round. Six of their first ten draft picks that year were position players. So there's this thing out there that that people are talking about. The Sox have a philosophy that's different than the Cubs. They want to build through pitching and not through position players. I think the White Sox are trying, as their record shows, to add on both sides, right? You need pitching, you need hitting, you need defense, you need outfielders, you need infielders, you need catchers. I mean, so I don't I don't think it's fair to say that the Sox are just going about it one specific way by just trying to find pitching and pitching and this it's this high risk way of going about a rebuild. It just does not add up at all. So, we'll talk to Nick coming up here and see what he uh, has in mind for the White Sox draft this year. We'll see what we can get out of him. Number three overall, uh, so the Nick will be up after 4 o'clock. Let's get you into the newsroom here. At the wall, the 380, gone. A three-run homer for Tim Anderson. 3-1 White Sox. Back to White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. White Sox and Red Sox coming up. 5.30, our pregame. This is White Sox Weekly. My name is Mark Carmen. His name is Nick Hostetler, the White Sox Director of Scouting, who is going to come on the air right now. I can feel it and tell me exactly who the White Sox are going to take number three overall. You know how this is going to go, right, Nick? Always, always, Mark. I, I, I wish I knew who we were going to pick three overall. So I guess uh, I'm, I'm not going to be breaking any secrets today because I don't even know yet. <laughs> so... I was on television this week, and, and the, the conversation turned to the White Sox are doing their rebuild different from the Cubs. The White Sox are all about drafting pitchers. And I'm sitting there like, I don't think that that's accurate at all. I, but I had to look up the numbers, which I, have, I went about doing here, 
2018, your first 10 players, five pitchers, five position players. 2017, six position players, four pitchers. 2016, when you took over the draft, you've had it for the last three years, six of the first 10 position players. So how would you address that to fans who think that the White Sox have prioritized pitching over position players? You know, I, I think that was one of the preconceived notions of, of what we do in the draft usually because our history in the last our history in the last really 20 years has been pitching first. Um, you know, we, we went into this in 2016 with the emphasis picking in the top 10, knowing that uh, a lot of your better bats come from the top part of the draft, and we, we targeted that. Now, one of the big things we've done, and, and I think you by reading those numbers you can see, is we've tried to balance it. Uh, rather than being all one-sided, all pitching, all hitting, whatever it may be, we tried to balance that. We tried to make sure we had a good balance throughout the draft with hitters and pitchers. And, you know, that's one of the things you go year by year. You can only take with what that year's draft gives you. But um, ultimately, the last three years, we've seen uh, a pretty heavy dose of hitters come through that we've really liked. And I think, uh, you know, I think this year, the way the draft is shaping up, it looks like that that bats are going to be what really goes at the top end of the draft with a few pitchers sprinkled in as well. So you do look at this draft as, as stronger position player-wise, right? I mean, you got the catcher, Adley, Rutschman out of Oregon State is expected to go one, and then from there it seems like it, it could go any which way with Bobby Wood, who's a shortstop high school guy. Uh, a lot of people in the White Sox are going to end up with C.J. Abrams, who's a shortstop, also a high school player. There's Andrew Vaughn, who plays for Cal, who's a first baseman. But most people are expecting it to be position player-heavy, especially at the top. I, and I think they're right. I, I think most of the, you know, your top ten picks are going to be position players. There's going to be a couple pitchers sprinkled in there that I think there we could probably see two in the top ten. Uh, one for sure, maybe two in the top ten. But I think for the most part, you're going to see, you know, roughly eighty percent of the top ten being being bats. Do you uh, what what do you look at outside of the talent here, Nick? And Nick Hosteller, White Sox director of scouting. Like what what is one part of makeup that you're like? I need to have that if I'm going to be comfortable making this player a part of the Chicago White Sox organization. We spend a lot of time on that, and it's something that here in the last week or so we've uh, we've done face-to-face meetings with the players at the top half of the draft. We have a few more next week left to do uh, with those guys to, to make sure we're comfortable with. But I think for us the main thing that we like to see is how they interact with their teammates how they are with their coaches, what their coaches say about them, how their work ethic is. And, and you know, I can't, I can't stress enough watching them, and really it's just sitting back and watching them interact and, and how they handle adversity on the field and then finding, finding out off the field what they've been through in life and trying to, trying to see how they've managed that and, and is that something that we need to be aware of should we add them to our system. So, you know, the big thing for us is, is are they good teammates? Are they guys that get after it? Is it a group of guys – that, that their teammates want to get behind them and, and fight with them. So that's that's really important to us and what we look for. So you talk to coaches. Do you talk to parents? Do you talk to teammates? How do you go about it? <laughs> we we talk to everything. Um, I think <laughs> so, we've <laughs> some of this stuff's probably not the. Uh, it, it's kind of embarrassing. I mean, we've I've I, I know in our past we've had went as far as talking to convenience store owners across from where the high school is and we know the kid goes in there before practice and how do they treat those people um we've talked to guidance counselors teachers ex-girlfriends current girlfriends coaches i mean just everything everything and any person that they've come in contact with 
over the course of their life. We want to we want to know what we can about them, and there's a lot of jealousy that we get in return from some of those people. Uh, we can read through that. You know, we've done this for a long time. Our we have a veteran staff that knows what they're doing on the makeup part of it, understands how to get the character traits out, and and so we we know when we're being lied to, but at the same time. Um, we want to make sure that when we're investing this type of money in a player that there's no stone left unturned. Do you do this incognito, or are you straight up like, hey, I'm thinking about drafting this guy. What do you know? A little bit of everything. Um, there's been times where we've we've went in and, and have acted as if we weren't scouts or if we've, you know, if we're – at a ballpark, we may have dressed down a little bit so people don't recognize us. Or there's times where we just straight up went in and we wear our gear and put our logo on to make sure everybody knows it. Um, a lot of times, the one thing we have found out as a staff is that when you're representing a Major League Baseball club, there's a lot of people that are willing to spill their guts to you. So you want to you want to take in that information and, and make sure you get all of it. I like it, Nick. This is this is. I w- personally, I don't know if you know it's legal here, and you know I have a job and I love it. But if you need someone to go incognito and start peering around, around uh, you know batting cages and whatnot, and acting like I just snuck in the place, I, I I'm I'm offering my services, Nick. Do you, so just keep that in mind, okay? You're my man for it. I'll, uh, you got the job. <laughs> Thank you. All right, just let, let me go over a couple guys here, and we'll just see how you answer, and, and everybody can sort of maybe just make a guess as to who the White Sox may take. Let's start with Andrew Vaughn, who's a first baseman, DH, playing for Cal. Uh, they say that he's the best all-around hitter in the draft. Uh, so here's a guy who seemingly could perhaps uh, fit a position as far as, uh, I don't know, you know, way down the line here. He could be a first baseman, DH, big-time hitter, but he doesn't have the flexibility of playing a whole lot of other positions. So how does that factor into his viability if he's just a first baseman and or DH? You know, ultimately it starts first with the offensive ability. If they can't hit, they're not going to play, regardless if they're a shortstop, a center fielder, a left fielder, first baseman. Um, The bat is what's going to carry them through the minor leagues and, and ultimately through their career at the big league level. So Andrew's obviously a guy that was a Golden Spikes winner as a sophomore uh, Team USA, uh, middle of the order bat. Um, he's also a guy that has worked out a little bit at third base that we've seen in the past. Um, you know, just taking some ground balls, and, and and we've witnessed that a little bit. But you know, he's a guy that is an advanced bat, and you would probably look at him as a, a pretty quick mover through a system. Interesting. Okay, I like that quick mover. What about C.J. Abrams, the high school kid, left-handed hitter, plays shortstop? I'm watching his video. It looks super smooth. I, I think White Sox fans would be pretty darn excited about that one. Yeah, he's a CJ's an electric player. It's it's, it's a premium athlete, plus plus runner. Uh, he has done a really nice job of continuing his growth and development. Uh, another 18U Team USA guy that played in Panama this off season and and really did well over there and came back to the states. Started his season and really uh, took off. He plays at the same high school where Tyler Flowers went to school, Tom Glavin's son. So we're pretty familiar with the Blessed Trinity program in, a, in Alpharetta, Georgia, so or Roswell, Georgia. And um, you know he's a, he's been a fun one to watch develop over the course of the season, and and absolutely belongs in the mix with the rest of the guys in the discussion that we're having. All right, last one I'll ask you about Bobby Witt Jr. So his dad. Played 16 seasons in the big leagues, 11 with the Rangers. He plays shortstop. He's an incredible athlete, apparently. Can run like the wind, and he can throw 95 on the mound. Uh, I don't know if he'll be there at three here, but this this is a – it seems like a 
I don't know, a Derek Jeter type, but they, they talk about at least what I read. Kids are going out doing their thing. Bobby Wood Jr. is in the cage taking more swings. Yeah, Bobby's been a guy that we've seen now since he's been about 13 or 14 years old. He's been on the circuit for a long, long time. He's always played above his age level. Uh, he's played twice in the Wrigley Field Under Armour event. Um, he's a guy that uh, most people don't know this, but his dad is also his agent. Uh, his dad works as a sports agent and is also his agent. So uh, when you call the the father for a signability number or something, you're also going to be talking to the agent. But uh, Bobby was a wide receiver in high school. He, um, he was a kid that is just a premium, another, a really plus athlete um, up the middle, um, absolute terrific kid. You can't find a better makeup kid than what Bobby is. And, uh, you know, he's another one that I think up there in the top of the draft, wherever he lands, uh, that fan base and that organization could be really happy to get him. Nick Hosteller, White Sox director, scouting for one more moment here. This time last year, did you know you were, uh, or at least have a strong inkling that Nick Madrigal was going to be your guy? We knew that's who we wanted it to be. Um, you know, we fully anticipated Casey Mize to go first. Uh, he was somebody that at this time last year, we, we all knew and as an industry knew that he was going to be 1-1. So at that point, you start looking at option number two, three, four. And, and at that point, we identified Nick as the guy that we really hoped to be there, up the middle, premium contact guy that was going to put the bat on the ball and be that guy that we really didn't have in our minor league system, that guy that set the table for the Luis Roberts and the Eloys and, and those guys. So it was it was at this point last year, right about this point, I think I even talked to you and Harry on Derby Day last year again. Yeah. And, um, and, and I think it was right about then. We kind of knew that Nick was going to be a target of ours and – I think really truly know that we were going to get him wasn't until about ten minutes before our pick when the when the Phillies called and let us know that they were going in a different direction. So that's all interesting and makes me wonder: Are you picking in general best available player, or are you looking throughout the system? What do we need? I know that's always a balance. No. Yeah, it is, and and you know I get that question a lot, and it's just something that we would be doing a disservice to the organization for us to take. A, a need picking this high in the draft. We ultimately, regardless of, and I, and I think we saw it last year, um, even down through our second round pick with Steel Walker, I, I think you could ask anybody around, outfield was not something that we needed. That was our strength uh, of our organization, and, and I, I'm sure Chris Getz probably rolled his eyes when we told him we were going to take an outfielder in the second round. Um, you know, and looking at the big league field at the time last year, you know, we had Yohan Moncada and Tim Anderson up the middle, so it didn't look like Nick Madrigal would be a fit. Fast forward a year now, and Moncada's playing a terrific third base, and now that leaves second base as an option. So we always have to take best player available because we just don't know down the road what's going to happen, whether it be injury, position change, um, production. Uh, ultimately, we hope all of these players hit, but we also know that they're not going to. So it's a matter of taking the best player at that spot and you know, put him in your system and hopefully continue to build that depth so when when you, time comes he's playing in the big leagues, he's ready to go. Nick, last one for real. Biggest concern, high school player versus a college player. Outside of you know, more maturity, you've seen more. But taking that out of it, like what's your what's is it timeline? Is it how do you, how do you evaluate that part of it? Five, ten years ago, Mark, I would have said timeline. Now the the amount of baseball that these high school kids have played um, the stage and the showcase that they play on on a, on a yearly basis in front of the uh, people that they do, the timeline really has disappeared. And I think you've seen that from the from the premium guys, the Mike Trouts and the Manny Machados and the 
the, the premium, even the Michael Kopex, the guys like that, the, the premium high school talent, the timeline just doesn't fit with those anymore. I think my biggest concern, and it's, and it's a similar concern than what is what I have with the college guys, but we do get to see them with the wood bat, is just how they're going to adjust to the, to the velocity in the day-to-day life of a minor leaguer at 18 years old. You give a kid, you know, five, six million dollars at 18 years old, you're hoping he has a strong family background and a, in a base that he can get through that, and there's people there to support him. So that's probably my biggest is just making sure they have that there. But other than that, I think these high school kids are really caught up maturity-wise and playing-wise to these college kids. Is that a thing, by the way, in baseball now, where maybe they're adding more mental skills coaches into the minor leagues to help kids you know, deal with whatever's going on? I, I, would, I would assume that that's maybe something that's being more and more prevalent throughout the game. Absolutely. We did it. Uh, Chris Getz hired Ben Broussard, and you're not going to find a more positive, happy, just an all-around great person than Benny Broussard. And he's been absolute godsend for this organization, handling these players on a day-to-day basis. We took a lot more and signed a lot more high school players last year, and the Cabrera Weavers and the Kelvin Maldonados and Lency Delgados and those players. And those players have leaned on Benny a lot, and Benny has done a terrific job with those guys and it really gives them somebody to help them develop mentally and, and kind of bridges that gap that where if they go to college, they have all those coaches, everything structured for them. Where in the minor leagues, they get a lot more free time. So Benny has done a great job, and that's just the type of things that Chris Getz and Jeremy Haber are putting into our minor leagues right now just to, to get us up and running with the rest of the, rest of the clubs. And you know, we feel real confident about getting these high school kids in our system. I like it. you got to do it. It's, it's a smart, Absolutely. smart move. Nick, great to talk to you as always. Good luck with the draft. Anytime. Let me know if you need anything. I'm ready to go incognito. You know this. That sounds great. Thanks for having me. Always my pleasure. Nick Hostel, the White Sox Director of Scouting. Take a quick time out. Come on back here and get you up to date on what's going on tonight at the ballpark. And we're still have, hoping to have Michael Kopech in the studio uh, coming up here on White Sox Weekly with you till 530 on 720 WGN. White Sox and the Red Sox coming up. Sox coming in tonight, 14 and 16. Fourth place in the Central, five games back. Red Sox are 15 and 18, off to a slow start. Also in fourth place. That's, of course, in the American League East, six and a half games back. The Iron Throne returns to guaranteed rate field for the final time. It's Monday, May 13th. Join us for Game of Thrones night as the Sox take on the Cleveland Indians at 7, 10 p.m. Get your tickets at WhiteSox.com today. The White Sox lineup for tonight has Leori Garcia in center, Tim Anderson playing short, batting second, Jose Abreu at first base hitting third, James McCann is catching in the cleanup spot, Yuan Moncada at third, batting fifth, Jose Rondon, who pitch last night that was awesome playing second base and batting sixth your seven hitter is yonder alonzo batting eighth in right field ryan cordell and the nine hitter the man with the walk-off earlier this week we'll have our white Sox week in review at 520 nikki delmonico playing left field and a reminder that you can learn from the pros this summer at a white Sox summer camp starts at just 149 dollars kids is age 5 to 12 you can register for a camp at any of the White Sox 30 locations, all participants receive a White Sox hat, T-shirt, four game tickets, and an exclusive look at Guaranteed Rate Field. 
Register today at whitesocks.com slash play. On the mound tonight, Manny Benuelos, 2-0, 2.70 ERA. And uh, it's just cool to see a guy like that who has not pitched in the big leagues for a long time getting an opportunity. Dylan Covey's going to go tomorrow as the White Sox redoing their rotation with Carlos Rodon being out for a while. Eduardo Rodriguez, left-hander for the Red Sox tonight, 2-2 two and two, with a 6.16. And Sox fans and school teachers, Weather Day presented by WGN-TV is Tuesday, May 14th. Sox take on the Indians at 110. Prior to the game, you can join WGN-TV's chief meteorologist, Tom Skilling, for a fun-filled weather presentation that includes videos, trivia, Southpaw, and more. That's amazing. Skilling and Southpaw. you got to love that. Purchase your tickets today by visiting WhiteSox.com or calling 866-SOX-GAME. Get you into news, and yes, I'm going to continue to promote it. Michael Kopek, I swear, he's coming up after 4.30 on 720 WGN. It is White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN, live at the ballpark. Andy Mazur is getting ready for the pregame show. What are we going to hear tonight, Andy Mazur? Well, we're going to hear a little more from Ricky Renteria on last night's decision to use Jose Rondon as a uh, relief pitcher. And uh, there, there's a, a good reason behind it. We'll let you uh, hear that. And uh, we'll also hear from Michael Kopech, who uh, talks a little bit about the trade that sent him to the White Sox and that guy that pitched last night for the other team, uh, Chris What's Sale, I think his name was. Uh, well, he'll talk a little bit about that as well. Chris Sale pitched for the White Sox? You know, I think I heard that rumor for a little while he did, yes. Who won the trade? Uh, right now I'd say it's a draw. <laughs> Everyone's trying to figure <laughs> that one out. The White Sox made a good deal for the, for the White Sox. The Red Sox made a good deal for the Red Sox, right? Yeah, I mean, they were in immediate need for a, a big-time starting, big starting pitcher, and the, you know, the White Sox were rebuilding, and they wanted some pieces, and they got uh, Yohan Moncada, who's obviously doing a, a, a real nice job this year, and Unfortunately, we don't get to see Kopech this year, but he's on track to, to be there next year. Right. And uh, don't forget about Luis Alexander Basabe. Yep, he's starting to tear things up as well. Yeah, so we'll, I, I think that trade hopefully will work out for both teams. It's worked out for the Red Sox, clearly, as, as they, as they uh, won the World Series. Although the contract they just gave sale, we'll see how that works out long term. But uh, they did win a World Series, so congrats to the Red Sox for that. At the wall, the 380, gone! A three-run homer for Tim Anderson. 3-1 White Sox. Back to White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. we talk to White Sox hitting coach Todd Steverson in a second here. Hey, bring your family of four to a White Sox game for as low as $49. You get the family four-pack, four tickets, four hot dogs, four drinks, four chips. It's presented by Country Financial. Prepare for your financial future one simple step at a time. And take simplesteps.com. For tickets, visit whitesocks.com slash four packs today. All right, let's get to uh, Todd Steverson and uh, White Sox hitting coach. And Todd, let's start with, with Yoan Moncada. And, and what is he doing well right now? The strikeouts are way down. He's doing well at controlling his at bats. Uh, as, as everybody knows, he has a good eye. Um, everybody knows he's got a good swing. Um, Young player developing in the big leagues. Sometimes it can be tough, and he's doing a really good job of, of keeping the approach and keeping the thought process of, of taking it bat to at bat, swinging at good pitches and barreling them up. Do you think it's in his best interest to continue to be a switch hitter? Yeah. I mean, you see right now, I mean, the beginning of the season, I'm not sure, somewhere between 
10 or 11 games already. We've already had to face starting lefties, and he's been able to hold his own. So, uh, you know, a lot of teams have turned him around to the right side also, thinking that that was his weaker side, which it was last year. And uh, he's, he's been able to hurt him or, or still be productive in those at-bats, yeah. How hard is that to do, to be able to hit from both sides? I mean, I don't know how you quantify that, but it seems very hard. I mean, I, I wasn't a switch hitter, but, yeah. um, you know, the switch over, you know, body-wise, you know, going from one side to the next, it's almost like telling somebody who's right-handed to right-left-handed, you know, and you could actually make the left-handed cursive legible, but it ain't as legible as your right-hand side, you know. Uh, there, there is one dominant side, and, and the crazy part is the dominant side is his right side. But you start to get more repetition from the left side because of the the amount of right-handed pitchers in the league. So you you start to almost lose your natural side a little bit because you don't use it as much. But you got to work on it equally during work. Do you think playing third base has impacted him at the plate? That's a question you had to ask him. Uh, my job with him is to keep him focused and prepared every day, and, and, and go out and be. A, be the best that he can be. Uh, if, if, if he says third base is alleviated, whatever, then good for him. You know, we got to still work in his cage and prepare for a hitter. I mean, prepare for a pitcher every day. What do you see with Pito right now? Jose Abreu's been red hot. Uh, Pito's being Pito. I mean, uh, you go through this almost once, once and a half times every year. Oh, you know, he's struggling, and then all of a sudden you turn around and he's hitting two ninety or three hundred. Um, he's a good hitter. I mean, let's let's be clear. You know, uh, the White Sox didn't sign somebody that didn't know how to hit. You know, so uh, he's proved it over over the the five years that he's that he's played here. You know, he's got he's, he's got juice. He's got pop. He can hit for average. Uh, he can drive in runs. I mean, he's proven himself in this league. And it's, it's not easy to do for the five years that he's done it. And uh, got a couple silver slugger awards. And and so you know, never doubt that man. White Sox hitting goes Shot Severson here for a couple more minutes. People think that Tim Anderson can't sustain what he's doing. That's not your job to look at it like that, but seeing where he is at right now, what do you think about Tim being on a level that's a little bit higher than he was at least last year? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, he was hitting 400 at one point, and that's going to come down. It's not about the batting average. Everybody's staring at the batting average. I'm looking at the quality of it bats. Uh, you can square up. 10 straight balls in a row and go zero for zero for 10, you know. Uh, some of the balls that he's put in play, albeit good pitches to put in play, he's been getting hits on them. And that, that could be anybody on, on that level in this game. But for me, it's the maturation of his at-bats. It's, it's the knowledge of, of how he either got himself out or how he was able to, to, uh, to beat the pitcher at that point. Um, going into his third full year, um, it's, it's becoming a little more clear to him of, of how to go about it on a daily basis along with his work and along with his routine and, and uh, preparation for the game. That's the biggest thing for me. And you can negate longer slumps when you have an idea of what you're doing. And I think he's starting to get an idea of, of, of how the game comes at him and how he wants to come at the game. What's he like for you? Because I, mean, I come in here, very is on the field, taking ground balls. And I'll talk to him for two seconds. And be like, yeah, I'm tired. I'm working. He's working every day. Um, what what type of time do you spend with him each day? Well, he comes in the cage first before he gets all that. So he's one of the first guys in the cage. Um, he does his work. Um, if there's anything that, that he and I need to talk about from the day before or something going forward, uh, we typically do. Um, we talk about a game plan. We talk about the approach to, to what we're going to do and. and uh, 
really kind of let it go there. And then, then during the course of the game, uh, I'll, I'll let him know what I think certain pitchers may be trying to do to him. Uh, if, if he's a little bit off, you know, or, or something like that, or if, he, if he's not, you know, if, he, if he's cheating his, his, his approach at that point. Because, you know, in this game, a lot of things happen. You just don't know. Sometimes you just don't know that, you know, I didn't get, I didn't get in my legs enough. Uh, I didn't get loaded enough, and I got myself out. Now that's that's my identification process. I got to be up to hey hey, get in your legs, you know. But now I can say that and he understands what I'm talking about. Maybe a year and a half, two years ago, and I say hey, you need to get in your legs. He might look at me like um, okay, you know. But now the verbiage is clear of of what I'm talking about during course of games. Easier, faster adjustments. From your perspective, what does he do for this clubhouse? He's an excitable guy. Um, always has been. Um, you know, I, I think he and I talked about it in spring training, and he was really hyped up. And you ask him about it, um, his mindset it kind of is in his come out song. It's called "Eat or Starve." You know, so it's it's like, hey, I'm coming out here to, to eat. If I don't if I don't eat, I'm a starve. You know, so I've got to be focused. I got to I got to play the game. I want to play the game, but I still got to be focused, and I got to get it done so I can eat some food. I don't want to start. Rick Hahn said yesterday that if I could have 25 Tim Andersons in my clubhouse, I'd go to war like that. I'm assuming you feel the same way? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He comes to play. I mean, this guy, I mean, he can run. He can throw. He can feel. He got pop. He can hit for average. I mean, he, he has all the tools that everybody looks for. Um, he would be a first-rounder all over again if he was, you know, if he was an amateur right now. Absolutely. Um he brings a level of intensity to the game that's necessary. And, you know, you want to talk about to let the kids play and all the rest of it. You know what? It's, it's good to see somebody that comes out here on a hundred, you know, that can try to do it on a 162-game uh, season, which is tough, to keep the intensity level up and keep his mind and his focus to that to, to the better good. It's not easy, right? Every day. It ain't, ain't quite every day, but it's a lot of days and in a short period of time. So you know when 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 your body tells you it's tired, you got you got to tell it's not. You you got you got to overcome in this game. Uh, it ain't you know people. We don't get you know weekends off. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, you got the weekend off. I played my five days. I get the weekend. No, 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 no. You got to keep going. You got to keep grinding, and you got to learn to grind. And and I think that's what a lot of outsiders don't understand. You have to learn the grind because it is one. And how to keep yourself prepared, how to keep yourself fresh, you know, how to go into the to the to the gym and, and let AT take care of you, how to get in with, with baller and, and make sure the trainers are with you, how to get your work in, in a cage, how to get your work in on the ground, and keep your legs fresh, keep your mind fresh, because it, it just you know, your body is only has so much in it. And you have to keep it rolling every day and, and you gotta find a good routine. I think he's doing a good job at it. You forgot to handle the pain in the ass media. <laughs> you know, I mean media's gonna be what media is, but you you can you you can actually control that. Hey, you go out and ball out. Then what are you gonna say? <laughs> what you gotta say about me? You know, hey, I'm having a good year. Cool. You know, I expect you to say that year in year out. If I'm a player, you know what? I can count on you. You know, and now, you know, if if people say you know you can't sustain it, I mean, why you want to go to the negative? But we're on the south side, and you want you you, you want to be a White Sox fan, and he's one of the pinnacles of the, of the White Sox fan, and this this man's doing well. Nobody's don't turn around and say he can't sustain this. That means you don't believe in him. He believes in himself, and that's all that matters. Did he always have 
the belief that he in himself that he has today, or has that grown? I think he's always had the belief in himself. I think he had the knowledge of what he was doing specifically, yeah. and the belief in himself, and now the knowledge coming together, I think is going to be a lot better for him. That's a good combination. Uh, let's wrap up with Aloy, who is obviously on the deal with the sprained ankle. But what were you seeing early season? What did you like? Where do you, where do you think he can improve? Uh, Eloy, you know, like I said, it's a feeling-out period for him in the big leagues. Uh, it's also a little feeling-out period for, for, for me to get the chance to know him. Uh, sadly enough, he hadn't been able to take, you know, uh, his at-bats right now with the, with the ankle injury and, and so on and so forth. But uh, very talented. Got a ton of juice in his bat. Uh, has a good idea of, of, of what he wants to do at the plate. Um, like any young hitter, you know, everything's going to be wrapped up and, and – and, uh, and your success is going to be wrapped up in, in your discipline and, and the ability to swing at good pitches. Eloy swings at good pitches, you're going to see a lot of good things come out of it. And, and, and you can say that for a lot of hitters, but um, a lot of teams are going to test you when you're a rookie to see how disciplined you are. And the more disciplined you are, I, I, trust me, you are, then everything that you know about him or have heard about him, you'll see on the field. It's a funky stance. Is that the wrong word? I mean, you got you got a couple of Hall of Famers that have hunky, funky stances, and you know, it, it 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 is what it is. If it works for him, it works for him. Um, there's no set way to hit. You know, everybody can't cookie cut everybody into this way you should look. If it works, it works. Uh, if it makes it need make adjustments, you make adjustments, right? And so for right now, you know, it, it is what it is. And he got here like this. You know, maybe some adjustments along the way. Not always like this, but. He got here. He got here pretty much in that stance. That's a challenge for you, though, right? You don't want to mess with a guy who might not be doing it the whatever prototypical right way. You, you just let him be. But if then if he struggles, then like how you know how much do you tweak all that? That's, that can't be easy. Well, you 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 be you be crazy as a coach to say a guy is struggling specifically first only because of a physicality. You got to go through all the channels first. You got to talk to the player. What's going on through his head? Uh, what he's thinking? Things like that. Uh, the pitch selection that he's had, stuff. and if you want to go straight to mechanics, then 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 you're going the wrong way as a coach. Um, these are human beings, and, and they got feelings, they got thoughts, and they and they got things that go on with them. You better you better know the person first before you start doing stuff like that. I like what you do, coach. You know this. <laughs> I appreciate it. White Sox hitting coach Todd Steverson. I like that, right? That's not about the mechanics necessarily, or at least don't jump right to that. you got to get to know the person. I like that a lot. We're going to get to know uh, Nikki Delmonico a little bit coming on back here after a quick time out. First, a reminder, attention Wildcats. You can join us for Northwestern night. That's Thursday, May 16th. Dave Bennett better be coming out for that one. As the Sox take on the Blue Jays at 7, 10 p.m., purchase this ticket package to receive a co-branded hat and the chance to watch BP uh, before the gates open. Visit whitesocks.com slash wildcats to purchase yours today. And our interview with Todd Steverson was sponsored by Mazda of Orland Park and ZoomZoomNation.com, where they're always trying to make your car shopping fun. Up next, Nikki Delmonico on White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN, White Sox, Red Sox, Star Wars Night, R2-D2 is going to be in the house, rolling around, going out to the ballpark. Beautiful night for baseball. A little chilly, but beautiful for early May, right? 
You want to wear the ski hat? I don't, I don't, I don't hate that move. Keep yourself warm. It gets cold at night here in this city. All right, let's bring in uh, Nikki Delmonico, who has had quite the journey this year, starting in uh, AAA and then making it back to the big leagues, and then hitting the walk-off blast, which I'm sure felt pretty damn sweet, Nikki Delmonico. Yeah, it was, I mean, uh, like I was telling Chuck, it, it's, uh, there's no better feeling, um, you know, knowing that you won the ball game and help contribute, you know, what was going on in that inning and the whole game um, to come off the bench. And I was just trying to, you know, do a job. I was trying to get the ball in the outfield and get a sack fly. And fortunate enough, you know, for me, it went out and uh, rounding third and seeing my teammates, it was, you know, there's no better feeling. Did you want the tub of Gatorade right in the gut? I mean, were you, did you have any plan on that or was it just kind of what was happening? At that point, you know, I couldn't tell you. I mean, it didn't, I didn't even tell uh, I couldn't tell how cold it was. You know, I, I just was so excited with joy and um, just to celebrate with my teammates. So, just take us through the process of being Mickey Delmonico this, this spring training and starting the year down. What was going on in your mind as far as just handling everything that was being thrown at you? Well, you know, when you get sent down, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of good people down in AAA, as in players, um, coaches, hitting coaches, um, our manager. So I knew I was in a good spot to, you know, continue and to get better um, in my game. And, you know, um, I knew that any time that I was, there's a chance that you can get called up and, um, you know, help the team. So I was just trying to focus day to day and, um, you know, get ready for that call. It's the greatest life, but it's a hard life too, right? Like you just, every day you're being evaluated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, um, you got to come to the field, um, you know, ready to work. Um, you got to forget about yesterday, the good and the bad, whatever happened. And, um, you know, it's baseball. You play every single day. So you got to get ready to, um, you know, forget what you did yesterday and come and, uh, you know, work on whatever you need to do and get ready to help your team win. What was it like in here before the game yesterday uh, with the Carlos news? You know, that's, you know, tough especially You know, he's my locker mate and, you know, he's one of my best friends. So, um, you it's it's you know really hard but he seems like he's handling it well um you know it's it's one of the toughest things you know that's our ace and um but i think that uh you know we got a lot of guys in here that are going to contribute and still fight no matter what and i think we've proved that last uh, few games so this tim anderson guy over here is saying that he wants to bring some excitement to baseball how do you feel about that I love it. I mean, he, it's, it's, uh, if you watch him, you know, throughout the day, I mean, just going out and watching his early work, you know, he, he works really hard. He's, he's, um, you know, one of the best competitors I've ever seen. Um, you know, to me, he's like the Michael Jordan baseball right now. The way he just gets after it, he's hungry and, um, you know, he has all of our backs and we have his. And, you know, I love the way he's playing right now. But can other guys, like, I want to, like, is it too much to put on the guys, like, hey, we got to, make baseball exciting for young people who have uh attention span of 10 seconds by the way i'm 45 i can relate to that like can't you you guys just got to do what you do right yeah i mean that's the way he plays uh you know if it rubs people the wrong way and you know he can't control that he's he's going out there competing and um playing his heart out so um you know as long as he does that every day that's that's all you want um and that's what he's doing so if you were at a a little league field you saw an eight-year-old wearing seven and he flipped the bat would you be smiling or be like, oh? I, would, I, would, I mean, that, that's awesome. I mean, uh, you know, kids look up to that, and, you know, that would be something cool to see. I, I would love it. I would love it if I saw that. So uh, as you look forward to today and the series and next week's, what's what's on your mind as far as establishing yourself again right here? Uh, you know, i got to control day by day. Um, 
today, and you know we play the Red Sox again, so we're going out there and doing whatever I can to help our team win. Would you like to get a knock on sale? <laughs> well, uh, I'm not in the starting lineup today, but um, it would be cool to to face him. Um, you know, he's a truly one of the best pitchers in the game, and um, you know he's got great stuff, and um, it's going to be exciting. This is my first time. Uh, being in the dugout when he pitched, so I'm, I'm excited to see our team go up and keep, you know, compete against him. And last one for Nicky Delmonico. What what have you done where you're so popular in this clubhouse? Like, what would is it? There's something that you've done that's connected you with your teammates where they appreciate you the way they do. Uh, you know, I just I love them. You know, and uh, you know I spend time with them off the field. Um, you know, I truly care about everyone in here, and um, you know, basically that's it. You know, I, I just. I love everybody in this clubhouse and, um, you know, coming to this field every day and seeing everybody. I mean, there's nothing better than this. Good luck today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Easy to root for Nicky Delmonico. Talked to him before the ball game yesterday, and he's in the lineup tonight, batting ninth, playing left field. And Nicky coming in with the 250 average, that one homer, which, of course, uh, came when the White Sox needed it on Thursday night, down a run, a three-run shot to win it. Uh, so hopefully Nicky can uh, go out and do something good tonight as the White Sox try to take the third game of this four-game series. Let's get a quick timeout. And, yes, Michael Kopech coming up after 5 o'clock with us here on White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. White Sox and Red Sox coming up. Sox have won five of their last seven Nine-game homestand continuing. Sox are 5-2 and two on the homestand uh, and have split the first two with the Red Sox. And, uh, yeah, the White Sox, they've been knocking the ball around. They've scored 90 runs. That's 5.3 runs per game, which is a good number. 22 homers in their last 17. I know you can get caught up in the numbers here, but just that's a decent size right there, right? 17 games, that's a... You know, that is uh, one-eighth of a baseball season, almost. And the White Sox um, going to need some runs tonight, as always. Uh, but Manny Benuelos has been pitching very well. He's 2-0 with a 2.70 ERA, so he'll be on the bump tonight. Michael Kopech won't be pitching for a while, but he will be talking to us after the 5 o'clock news. Let's get you a quick timeout, get you up to date on the news, and then get Kopech on board here on White Sox Weekly 720 WGN. It's great to be back with WGN. It's White Sox Weekly on the official radio station of the Chicago White Sox. 720 WGN. Great to have you, Jerry Reinsdorf. White Sox Weekly continuing, 720 WGN. Great to have Michael Kopech in the studio. We'd rather you were in the dugout, and I I know that's where you'd like to be, but uh, thanks for coming on up here, and uh, you're in town for a little quick checkup. So welcome to White Sox Weekly. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm glad to be on. Uh, yeah, so I'm just here basically trying to be a part of the team. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been kind of a slow start for me because I'm down in Arizona right now and I've been having to, you know, watch what's been going on from afar. Um, but it still seems exciting and I'm glad to be here and just see a little bit of it up close. Yeah, I mean, I'm following you along Twitter, and you're rooting uh-huh. on your guys, and you've been getting, throwing Tim Anderson a ton of love. I know, I know you yeah. love what Seven's been doing. Yeah, no, T.A. is the man. I mean, it, he goes about his business the right way. He carries himself with a lot of confidence, and he leads his staff. I mean, it, it's really fun to just play with him on your team, and, you know, I, I, I want to be physically a part of it, but I can't be, so it, it's just really cool to see him coming into himself and everybody really having fun so far because I think that's where it's going to start. 
So when you walk in the clubhouse down there, like, oh, there's Kopech. Does, does it feel like, you, like, do I have to reintroduce myself? What's, <laughs> what, what's that like? I kind of feel, honestly, I kind of feel like halfway part of the team. Like, I, I still, you know, love the guys. It's awesome being around everybody. But obviously, my time here was pretty restricted, and I have about two weeks total on the Major League Baseball field. So I kind of have a taste of it, but, you know, it, it's, it's just enough to know that I miss it a lot. So. Yeah, it was unbelievable when you when you came up last year, and I know that. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you're looking out the field right now. It just yeah. you, you could feel this. The, you could you still sort of just feel that the excitement of that, just the the debut sort of rolling through you a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, I, it was electric that day. I I really uh, I didn't know what to expect. I had no idea. I didn't expect that by any means. Um, but I don't think there's anything that can really compare to a moment like that i was i felt so welcomed and so part of like you know part of the team already before i had ever thrown a pitch so it was really cool to be a part of that and one of my starts last year was against these guys my former team so it's cool to be here for this series too yeah you were you were talking with the media yesterday and of course you were asked about chris sale and <laughs> you remember that guy but it's yeah it, it's it's a compliment that you're traded for a guy that, that talent and then i i I mean, you were asked if you're motivated by that. I'm thinking, I'm motivated to be as good as I can be if I'm traded for this guy or that guy. I don't right. know how, how that all resonates with you. Yeah, no, and that that's pretty much the way I look at it. I mean, that, that's the only way you really can look at it because if you're always comparing yourself to the guy that you were traded for or the guy that's your comparison or whatever, then you're kind of limiting yourself. Um, and I'm not saying that one day I'm going to be better than Chris Sale, but if I end up having that potential and I've limited myself to less, then... I'll never know. You so. got you got to dream it big, right? right? I mean, why would you say why can't I be better than him? I mean, you right. w- you wouldn't be in this position right now, uh, playing big league baseball, right? If you didn't have, you know, a ton of confidence in yourself and you weren't dreaming it as big as possible, right? Like, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm at a point where I'm not really trying to look too far ahead because I'm trying to take it day by day. But at the same time, my goal is to be the best I can possibly be, and whatever that potential ends up being, you know is up to how well I handle it. Michael Kopech with us here on White Sox Weekly. White Sox and Red Sox coming up. All right, so let's go into that day-to-day. What What is a standard day for you right now? Um, you know, it, it's it's kind of tedious, but not too difficult. Um, I'm at a point where I'm doing a lot of shoulder strengthening, a lot of uh, just range of motion stuff to make sure that I'm not cutting myself off or limiting myself or maybe getting too stiff. So... It's a lot of little stuff, and then I'm full go in the weight room, so I'm I'm as strong as I've ever been. I'm probably in the best shape I've been in a couple of years. I I feel really good going through everything. Um, it's just patience is what it is. That the main part of this process is patience. So I'm watching it today, and you're you're throwing off flat ground. I think you just were telling me it's your second time you've done that. Yeah. So. I'm sitting here like, is he throwing too hard? Is he throw? Is he just feeling right. comfortable? It's like, how do how do you know how much you can let loose out there? Because you, you were, it looked to me like you were teeing it up. Uh, you know, I don't know if you're, how, how close to 100 percent do you think you were going? Um, so I actually had this talk quite a bit with our staff, and it was basically, what does my percentage of perceived effort need to be? Um, how close to, you know, max effort do I need to be? Am I even anywhere near that? And the answer is no, really. I just need to kind of pull the reins back, slow down, um, realize that I am just close to halfway, uh, not really 
far enough along to be letting the ball rip. So I'm at a point where I'm just trying to have feel for the ball no matter how far I'm throwing. So I'll go out to 150 feet or so and then come back in and throw flat grounds. But my main focus is feel and it's not really effort. But it's human tendency or just like <laughs> you, you sort of want to know what's there at the same time, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, and I've, uh, I've let a few go probably a little too hard and I've been told immediately to, hey, cut that out. So it's just, I'm, but the good news is I know I have more. So I, I know I'm holding back. I, yeah. I know that it's going to be there when I need it to be there, but I don't need it right now is the thing. Yeah, that makes sense. So just for to try to explain to those of us uh, amateur softball playing at this, when you're talking about feel and you have Tommy John, like how does the ball feel differently to you now than, say, before? Can you explain that? Yeah, kind of. It's, it's not necessarily the way the ball itself feels in my hand. It's the way my arm feels when it moves. And, and it's not a bad thing. It's just there's a new body part in there that's not used to what I've usually done. And so while I'm trying to, you know, get back to feeling normal, so to speak, which was, for me, a high-effort guy, um, I have to start slow and build up a little bit and build up a little bit more all the way up until I've had feel, so to speak, from my lowest velocity to my highest velocity, which is something I kind of struggled with beforehand. I was the guy that would get out there, I'd rip the ball a few times, and then I'd feel good and loose. But I think this is ultimately going to help me with my command. So you would go throw to, to warm up for a game, how many pitches would it take you before you're ready to roll? Um, You know, if I was feeling good, I could probably be – Ready to, I could probably be all the way out to the fence and back within 20 throws and then on a mound in four or five minutes. Wow. Yeah, I, I would warm up pretty quick. But that probably has a lot to do with why I got hurt in the first place. So I'm, I am going to be more cautious about that. And, you know, that's, that is part of the program. So, Do you have to rework your mechanics of throwing or are you going to try to be the exact same way? Um, I wouldn't say the exact same way. I think there, I think I'd be you know, foolish to believe that my mechanics were perfect and unflawed and everything. So I'm going to try to make tweaks to clean everything up. Uh, I don't think there's anything that needs to be really changed, but I could have a smoother arm path. I can have, you know, more downhill angle. There's a lot of things that are small, but add up. And I think that's really what I'm just going to do is try to focus and clean everything up. Is there any one particular in the organization right now that you're leaning on going through the process? Um, there's a few people. I mean, whether that's the guys in the clubhouse here with me um, or the training staff in Arizona or my strength coaches, uh, everybody's been really supportive. And, I mean, obviously, aside from the team, I have the support of my family, so it's really easy to talk to them about it. it it's been actually a pretty smooth process for me so far, and I, I feel comfortable with where I'm at because of that. Michael Kopech for a couple uh, more minutes here on 720 WGN. You just had a birthday, right? Yeah, April 30th, yeah. Anything special? Uh, I got to go see the family. Um, first time in a little while because I've kind of bounced around since surgery. But uh, it's kind of funny. My nephew's birthday is April 26th. My sister's is April 29th. Mine's oh. April 30th. So we all kind of celebrate within a week there. And it's pretty cool to see them all together. My fiance has an April 30th birthday. Oh, it's a good birthday. <laughs> I haven't gotten her a gift yet. Got to work on that. Oh. Uh, story for another time. Uh, hey, I love what I, I, I just love what you're doing as far as supporting the, uh, 
people in the community, I know you're, we were talking about Tim before. Uh, you retweeted autism awareness on Matt Harvey. You talked about justice for Luca, which was uh, an incident that was extremely troubling to see. You've you've talked. You're there seems to be like this big Michael Kopeck heart that you want to put out there as you continue to, you know, develop in the White Sox organization and have a foothold in Chicago. It seems like you want to do stuff off the field as well. Absolutely. And, you know, this is probably something that I should have a little bit more time to talk about. And I could talk about it for hours or days or weeks or whatever. But for me, it's really been, you know, a a coming to myself or a realization or whatever you want to call it since I got called up that, you know, that wasn't it. I, I didn't just get called up to have a big league career and, you know, make a lot of money and live a luxurious lifestyle. It, that That's not it for me. I have been fortunate enough to work myself to a platform that I can actually help people and people that need help. Um, I'm not around a bunch of people that need help every day because I'm surrounded by my teammates who are fortunate enough to be major league baseball players, you know, so, but I am at a point where I can reach people that do need help. And I think I would be selfish and unfair to not use that for that reason. So I'm, yeah, I want to give back. I want to help people that need help. I want to, you know, if nothing else, just show people that you know, we do care. We're not just athletes. You know, there, there's something that we can do that's a bigger picture. So I, I'm, you know, not for any any kind of notoriety, not for any kind of light. I don't want anything like that. I just, I truly do want to help people. So, I mean, if I have the opportunity to do so, I'm going to try to. Have you uh, figured out a direction yet? I'm assuming you're talking with the White Sox charities or maybe just stuff that, I, I, I don't know, you're in your own in your own world that's, that's, uh, that's resonating on your heart. Um. I mean, there's a few things just with helping, you know, people in need that are friends of mine or family or stuff like that. But, yeah, nothing nothing crazy coming up. I, okay. I Obviously, my hair is still kind of long, and, you know, that's not a White Sox thing. But I, I am uh, going to cut that and donate it to charity. Uh, I think I'm going to do uh, wigs for kids. I haven't really looked into it too much yet, but that that's the plan anyway. That's why it's a little longer than usual right now. But, um I mean, just any kind of help, I think, is really where my heart lies, nowhere specific. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's awesome, and you you have a great chance to be extremely successful here on the field. But, like, the, all this, what you know, you're so young to have this as something that's important to you, I, the, the potential for where you could take this and how much impact you can have at Chicago's huge, which is, I think, just super exciting for you, for the organization, for the city, all yeah. of it. Uh, you you know, you I just saw the last one. You, you put the Steve Jobs out there with his last letter. Yeah. He's, he says, it doesn't matter if you're on a $300 watch or a $30 watch. They both tell time. Right. You don't get to take the money with you. So right. th- I, mean, I think that's a good metaphor for people. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're you know, on that side of the line or this side of the line when you're at a Major League Baseball game. We're still people. You know, it, we're, we're, we're equals, man. And that's, that's the thing that kind of gets skewed is like we're looked at as almost larger than life a lot of times. And... Really, it, it it almost seems overwhelming to us, but I know it has to seem overwhelming to fans when we approach them. But I just want it to be genuine. Yeah, it, the overwhelming part just makes me think of just pictures over time where I like it makes me think of Michael Jordan and like they're just reaching out to touch him like he's some biblical figure or whatever. And it's like right. that is 
right. really, really good basketball player, but it is also, at the end of the day, a human being. You're, exactly. I mean, you're a professional baseball player. You're a great pitcher, but you right. also, like, you leave the field. Right. You, you go eat dinner. <laughs> you, you have, you know, but, yeah. it, but we, I mean, it's, we do. We, I mean, kids, adults, they, they look yeah. up to you. So, and then how do you find out what actually is reality? Right. You know? But we have to take advantage of the fact that people do look up to us and use that for a greater good and not for selfish reasons. So, I mean, it definitely has its benefits. I look forward to talking to you further, Michael. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Best of luck in the rehab. Great to see you. You coming back again this summer? Do you know? I should, but I'm not sure. I'm told what to do, and then I just follow. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll see you then. Thanks for taking time today. Yeah, man. Thank you. Michael Kopech, White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, going until 530. Thanks again to Michael Kopech. What an interesting, talented dude. Great to talk to him. I appreciate him coming up to the booth. Hey, grab your friends. And head to the park for bleachers and brews presented by Budweiser. You get one bleacher seat and two beers for just $22 all season long. Must be 21 and over with a valid ID to purchase tickets. Visit WhiteSox.com slash brew and enter the promo code brew. And also one other reminder, head to the ballpark for dollar hot dog Wednesdays. Take advantage of this unbeatable deal as you cheer on the Sox all season long. That one is brought to you by Securian Financial who can help you make every moment count. Find out more at securian.com. For tickets, once again, visit whitesocks.com slash dollar dogs today. All right, let's do our week in review where we go through the highlights of the week, which started out uh, last Sunday, and Ricky Renteria did not make it to the end of the ballgame. Swung on and missed. Ball gets away from the catcher. He picks it up, and uh, Griner hit the runner. Hit the batter, and there was a slight move by Abreu to go, but he never crossed the line, Darren. He's never out. crossed the first baseline. He's out anyway. He's in the way of the throw. Yeah, he's okay. saying he was inside the baseline, calling him out. Rick Renteria is arguing that. And he's throwing him out as as he, Rick Renteria is showing where he was running and trying to give him a, a visual of, look, his body has to be inside the bag because the base is in fair territory. Right, yes, it is. So his body has to be in a direct line with the base, and that's where he was. He literally was in line with the base, and I don't know how you're supposed to run in foul territory and then all of a sudden step back into fair territory to touch that base. That was a very bizarre call by Tony Randazzo. who was the home plate umpire that day. White Sox beat the Tigers 4-1. to one. Sox struck out 20 Tigers that day, career high for Ronaldo Lopez uh, as the White Sox won that one, 4-2-1. We move along to Monday, game one versus the Oriole, 5-3, and a White Sox winner. The 1-1 to Anderson, high, deep to left. Got a chance. It's gone for a two-run homer. Anderson puts us up by another two, and the Sox lead 4-1. Timmy with the two-run shot. Yonder also had a two-run homer. That was a third consecutive win for the Sox, 5-3. to three. Tuesday was the rainout. Wednesday was a straight doubleheader. Sox lost game one, 5-4. They were up 4 nothing. That one hurt. Carlos Rodon, uh, that's when he got hurt. Three runs, five hits, and three and two-thirds innings. Game two, Sox were down a run in the ninth. And uh, yeah, somebody, somehow, someway, Yonder turned it around. Castro takes a deep breath and now reading signs from his catcher. Alonzo with the count 0-1 waiting. Bases filled, a one-run game, and the 0-1. Alonzo swings, line drive left field. That's down for it. One run scores. 
up with it, a hesitant throw. Sox win! Sox win! By the two-run single by Alonzo. How about that? The Orioles had chosen to walk Jose Abreu intentionally before that to get to Yonder, who has not been uh, crushing the baseball. He's hitting 186 coming into tonight. He was at 183 at that point. But the game winner, nonetheless, uh, Abreu had four hits, six RBIs on the doubleheader day. That was impressive. All right, opener of the Red Sox series on Thursday. Sox again were trailing late, but then Nicky Delmonico to the rescue. The tying run at third base. Winning run is first in the 0-1 of Delmonico. Swinging a long one. Right center field. On the move. At the track. It's gone. Three-run over. Sox win. Sox win. Sox win. Turn on the fireworks. I was so happy for Nicky Delmonico in that moment. And the game nearly ended as he swung at the first pitch. Pop-up uh, that somehow, some way, just was deep enough into the Red Sox dugout where Delbonico uh, could have been five feet to the left and the game's over, but he ends up getting another shot at it in the three-run bomb. Sox six, Red Sox four. Chris Sale night last night as uh, the Red Sox took that one 6-1, so the series is tied up at a game apiece. Take our final timeout. Come on back, wrap things up. Andy Mazur's got your White Sox pregame show after the 5.30 news on 720 WGN.